This the remix. Twin wide receivers on each side of the ball. Empty backfield. Cox, a quick drop, looking, looking, pumps once, and he's tackled by Adam Plant at the 40. Plant with a sack, and it's fourth and five. Tightly bunched formation at the line. Kyle Williams wide left, play action fake. Bailey all day to throw. Pass on the near side to Zeon, and the pass is in the end zone, and it's caught for a touchdown. The Rebels with a huge touchdown right there. Nick Williams. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Should be joined by head coach Barry Odom, the new UNLV football coach, uh, very soon. Uh, some interesting details from yesterday. One, Aiden Robbins has entered the transfer portal. He was UNLV's leading rusher in 2022. Um, I believe they'll be able to replace Aiden Robbins' production. Um, we talk a lot about running back value and how they're one of the more replaceable positions in football. Uh, and UNLV has been a good example of that through the last two coaches and through four or five different running backs. They almost always have a productive running back. Also, Mike Grimala tweeted that Doug Brumfield is staying at yeah. UNLV. Uh, Brumfield told Grimala he wants me taking a vote and wants me to be a leader on the team and be that guy. Yeah. So that is sort of the first big win in terms of keeping guys at UNLV. If Doug Brumfield is going to stick around, gives UNLV a pretty solid quarterback option. They might end up doing better than that, but a pretty solid quarterback option in Doug Brumfield going into next year. That's not a massive question mark unless they bring in somebody that's there to compete and maybe it's a good thing. So joining us now, the new head coach of UNLV football, Barry Odom. Good morning, Barry. How are you? How are you? Good morning, guys. All right. I hope you guys are doing great. We are. We need um, some more details here. Did you actually wander into the football facility back in the spring when you were still coaching at Arkansas? I would guess there's surveillance video of that floating <laughs> somewhere. And uh, I had a hat on. I pulled it down really low. So, <laughs> way in. Uh, okay. What when when you got um, kicked out or asked to leave? I don't know how nice it was. Like. What was that interaction? Somebody just said, wait a minute, who are you? They did, and they were very cordial uh, <laughs> and understanding. On I explained what I was doing in the town uh, in the city, recruiting high schools, and, and had a few minutes before I had to catch a flight and just always looking to uh, see other places and see how I could apply what I see here somewhere else. So uh, they were nice about it, and they said, okay, that's great. There's the front door. See you later. So it all worked out. Coach, we also uh, always hear about the SEC and facilities and what they have, and you now are in the Fertitta football complex. You saw it early, and now you're really seeing it because it's your home now. Uh, compare it for us. Where 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 does this fit? Because we always hear how you know special the Fertitta football complex is for kids. It's it's off the charts. It's elite. It's uh, the thing that a lot of facilities uh, over, over the course of uh, when things are built, you know, a lot of times they may not function. For the student athlete, that is not the case here. Um, constructed, very well thought out. Uh, every detail has uh, obviously given some thought on how it was laid out for the student athletes. The, the the ability for them to function from sports medicine to the locker room to the weight room to the practice fields uh, it couldn't be a better layout. So I'm so excited to have a chance uh, to continue to build on the great success here with with this facility. And uh, there's not anything that you turn the corner and say, well, I wish it was designed this way 
um, it's as great of a, of a facility as, as I've had a chance to be a part of. So uh, part of that story of you going into the uh, football complex when you were still at Arkansas was that you were here recruiting. So I'm curious, how, how much recruiting have you had you already done with uh, local kids here in Vegas before you even got this job at UNLV? You know, my years and experiences uh, either at University of Memphis or um, Missouri or, or Arkansas, I've always bought recruited uh, the city uh, and then obviously have been in the California a lot more than um, maybe some of the other schools from the Midwest. But, you know, we've been able to identify talent uh, over the years and been able to establish relationships and start building those and I think that'll be a direct carryover in the position I'm in now that, that I can lean on some of those and continue to develop that relationship and, you know, build trust within the high school coaches, within the prospective student athletes, that the things that they want to achieve in their college uh, experience, we're going to get done here. Yeah, uh, talked to Rich Morocco yesterday. He said you guys had already called him out at Liberty High. Uh, you mentioned this several times during your press conference, the importance of it. Can you expound on that? Why Why is this important? Because a lot of people would say, hey, just go get good players. You know, good players win football games, and at the end, if you win a lot, they'll be considered local because people would kind of embrace them as, as UNLV players. But talk about kind of building that fence around town and why do you think it's so important for you? Well, I want to embrace the city, and I think there's really good football here. I think there's tremendous coaches, and I want it to be the city's university and our, I want it to be ours together. And collectively, if we can do that and galvanize uh, the high schools and the high school coaches bought into what we're doing program-wise here, then it's a win-win for everyone. It's a win for the city. It's a win for uh, the communities uh, around the city. And it's also important for me because if you have local kids that are having great success, that is a tremendous way for the high schools to thrive. They can point to the kid that had great success in high school, and then they went down the road to uh, UNLV and and still continue to have success. So I think with with everything that uh, our focal main point of, of recruiting, it starts here. And obviously we're going to branch out uh, in, and go in a lot of different areas, but we've got an elite product to sell, and I look forward to having an opportunity. I've, I've been meeting with our players individually. I, I think it's really important uh, that I recruit our own roster and then from there, when I can get through like this afternoon, I've got a chance to get on the road a little bit and hit some local schools, and I can't wait to get in there. Barry Odom, the new football coach for UNLV, with us. Uh, so yesterday, Doug Brumfield said that he was planning to come back. How important was that for you to get the starting quarterback from last year's team to return next year for you? It's huge, and you look at one of my um, – opening statements, and I believe this with, with very strong conviction, the group that I talked to at 2.30 on the first day that I got the job in the team meeting, I want that entire group back. I think it's important because they've invested in this program. Now it's time for me to invest in them. There's, we're going to lose some guys, and I, and I hate that, but across the country, every team and program have got, had guys enter the, uh, the portal. I, more than anything, I want to educate them. I want to give them the the faith, the belief, the vision, and the hope on what this program is going to be and how they're going to be such a huge part of it. So, you know, with the news yesterday, uh, that's exciting. We're going to build around that and continue to, to move in, in an upward direction. You talked about the portal yesterday. A thousand kids went in the first few days, which is 
People might think that's a lot, but nowadays um, the number just keeps going up. Whether it's starters or depth, um, can you revisit your 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 strategy on the portal here? And after re- recruiting your own team, uh, is that something you'll have someone check every day and just say, okay, we have to stay on top of this because there might be kids out there we know or have relationships with already? Absolutely, and, and I still I, I believe uh, very strongly that our, our basis on recruiting is going to be high school recruiting. Uh, you've got to build the foundation of what your program is and what it's going to be, uh, the culture, the blueprint, the foundation. That's going to be built uh, around the current team that we have, uh, the guys that we've got on our roster right now, additions of, of high school prospects that we're going to sign uh, possibly some in December and the full class in February. But then we'll be very active in, in evaluating and seeing what is available in the portal. But I want it, uh, I want it to be the right fit. I don't want... I want guys that want to be at UNLV, and um, we'll be very strategic with that. If it's someone that can come in and fit culturally on what we're doing in our program and they can help us and they want to be at UNLV, then then we'll entertain that opportunity and that thought. I know this. There's a lot of people that want to be here, and uh, I've had a number of guys that are in the portal reach out to me uh, about wanting to set up a visit, want to come see uh, what we got going, and, and that speaks volumes on, on the outside view of what UNLV is. I wanted to ask you about a talking point or a narrative that came up during UNLV's coaching search, whether it was media-wise or fan-wise. But, you know, Marcus Arroyo gets fired here after a 5-7 and seven season, which UNLV football doesn't have a lot of seasons with five or more wins. And one of the sort of talking points was, well, how many people are going to want the job if 5-7 and seven isn't good enough? Did that come up in your mind at all? Was there any reservation in your mind about, well, if 5-7 and is not good enough, that might be a, a tough job for me to take? Like, does that matter to you at all when you're looking at head coaching positions? No, and I mean, in, in all due respect, it, it, it did not. Um, I've got a lot of respect for Eric Harper and the vision on he has on competing and winning championships in every area. Um, I, I'm, I will be harder on myself than anyone is, and the expectations and the standard of what we want to achieve academically, socially, and athletically are, are, are going to be the standard. We're going to try to work hard to get that every single day. Um, is there pressure? Absolutely. There's pressure every single day to build this program into into a winning culture of football. Where where do you start with that? Because you, you know the history of the program as well as anyone. Now got the job. I'm sure you did a lot of research. You probably knew the you know you knew the uh, history of it. When you thought about this job and building this culture, where, what's your first step? How do you do that? Yeah, it, it started with uh, our first team meeting. Um, that afternoon at, at 2.30, and then it's continued on on the initial conversation with every kid on our roster in an individual meeting talking about the importance of us doing it together and how that looks, what we're doing from December 8th until we get back together in January, and what we want our brand to be and how that's going to look. And you've got to continually talk. You've got to talk about it every single day. It can't be one team meeting and say, okay, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. I've got to give them the roadmap to be able to go and, and get in position to be successful. And we're going to continue to work through communication, through building relationships on setting the standard on what our practice habits look like, uh, what our off-season habits look like. And every single day, we've got to establish, that, okay, here, here's as a staff, here are the goals for the day. Let's go get them done and let's do it together. Uh, Barry, I saw you had uh, your kids with you at the UNLV basketball game last night. Is there anything cooler for a kid in high school than, oh, my dad just got hired to be a head football coach somewhere? It's pretty awesome, and, and uh, family is the most important thing to me uh, in this in this world. And uh, two of my kids were able to go with me last night, and that was such a fun experience. You know, when I was 
when I was named the head coach at the University of Missouri, um, I was already on staff there. So they knew the place. They knew because uh, we had been there you know, a year before as a coordinator. So they, they kind of knew the, the lay of the land, the office, the, um, you know, the way the facilities were, the basketball games. So the, the newness of this uh, was very exciting for me and, and for our family and something that, that I will remember forever. What's the recruiting pitch? You can come on an official visit to both of them? <laughs> well, the oldest one, we could definitely trip him. Uh, he's of age, and then the youngest one, not yet, but uh, that's soon to follow. <laughs> well, he is Barry Odom, the new uh, football coach for UNLV. Barry, we appreciate your time this Thanks, morning. Thanks, Barry. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. I you appreciate too. you. Take Go care. Rebels. Uh, so there is Barry Odom, new head coach. Uh, yeah, had both of his sons at the UNLV game last night. He, he got introduced at... Um, uh, halftime, I don't know, one of the timeouts, and then they were sitting courtside uh, on the front row at the Dollar Loan Center. So I, that was one of my thoughts was they were at the press conference and then they were at the basketball game. I was like, being a high schooler and like, oh, yeah, my dad just got hired to be the head, coach, the head football coach of a Division One program yeah. would be like one of the coolest yeah. things I think you could have as a high school kid. Now, maybe you're getting plucked out of your high school. Maybe that's not ideal. you got to change high schools, but... That'd be great. Be like, oh, yeah, what what are you doing? Oh, uh, we're going to Las Vegas because my dad just got hired to be the new UNLV head coach. You so. see the kid at the official uh, at the official meeting? Tell me what you're doing around here. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I want to know why I should be here. <laughs> why am I going to play for you, Dad? <laughs> be great. Be great. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong. I discovered at a very early age that if I talk long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. So either I'm God or truth is relative. Bischoff's Briefs. And in either case, booyah. Bischoff's Briefs. I've been teasing this for two days. But we've got a... Yeah, I finally have a chance to talk about this. This is... uh, a very significant story in Major League Baseball. So first, a little bit of a backstory. Last season, Major League Baseball used two different baseballs throughout the year with no real rhyme or reason, no logic as to why one ball would be used one place and one would be used another place. Uh, basically, there was a dead ball and a live ball, right? And it all has to do with how much the balls weigh. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the scenario here. So last year they had two different baseballs. Uh, there's a website called insider.com that did a whole sort of like investigation. They got baseballs from last year. They looked into it. They found that there were two different baseballs and major league baseball tried to kind of ignore it and say, no, 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 we used one. But eventually Rob Manfred admitted and said, okay, we did use two different baseballs, but that was because of a manufacturing problem because of COVID. So we had a hard time getting, the same type of baseball, but don't worry in 2022, all the baseballs are going to be the same. Okay. I mean, they kind of tried to hide it, but eventually it seems reasonable, right? All right. COVID made something uh, more difficult. Use two different baseballs, whatever. Same website, insider.com did another investigation into baseballs that were used this year. They found the major league baseball again, had the dead ball and the live ball. Live ball was used very limitedly, but there was some instances of this live ball being used. So two different baseballs again after Rob Manfred saying, no, no, everything's going to be the same. And on top of that, they discovered there was a third different type of baseball. 
that fell in between Middle the ball? dead ball and the live Middle ball. ball. Yes, they were calling it the Goldilocks ball because there's three different options, right. you know. Uh, so there were three different types of baseballs, the dead ball, the middle ball, and the uh, live ball. But the interesting part about what they found with these different types of baseballs is the middle ball was specifically used for special events. So like the home run derby, the world series, stuff like that. The world series? Yeah. And... Yankees games. The middle ball. Yes. Judgy. So what the deduction is, is that Major League Baseball probably accidentally used the live ball. They wanted to use the dead ball the entire time. But for special events, they put in a ball that was a little bit more live than the dead ball. And for some reason, at Yankees games. Home and away? Uh, yes. Wow. They that use is fascinating. This well, middle ball. I don't know if it's fascinating. So will this be brought up in the conversation along with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa, or is this okay because the league allowed it to happen or okay. actually made it happen? It is. That is, I think, the interesting point here. Aaron Judge did not ask for a different baseball when no. he was playing. This was not, as far as we know, the Yankees didn't know. No. This was maybe they did, but as far as we know, the Yankees didn't know. This is not a player or a team request cheating. This is the, the league. league saying we are trying to manufacture something. Right. That is a home run chase that wasn't even a real home run chase because who cares about the AL record? Nobody, but except Roger Maris Jr. But this was the league trying to manufacture something that they thought would give them ratings, attention, lead to them getting more money. And it did. They kept cutting into college football to show you here's Aaron Judge striking out for the third time today. To me, this is a way bigger deal than an individual team or player cheating because this is the league saying, yes, we're giving some yes. sort of preferential treatment to, to a one, team to or a, specific, a player. To a specific team. Right. Which is unbelievable that that would happen. And that team. Yes. And it's the Yankees that just happened to be the team that got that preferential treatment. So that's your big story to your other question. Will this be brought up the same? No chance in hell, not a chance. And that's what I'm thinking because the league sanctioned it. They did it. So people are going to be like, Oh, well it's not on him. I think when people look at it and really understand, they'll be like, what the hell? Why? Like that's ridiculous. But it took me what? Three, four minutes to explain that. I think that's the issue. That it took me, it takes 30 seconds or 10 seconds to explain. Barry Bonds took steroids, steroids make you big, you hit home runs. This is, well, there were three different baseballs. They used the dead one, there was a live one, there was a middle one. Why would they do this when he said that they were going to use one ball and he they knew that there had already been investigations right? and research into the last one? How did they think they could How did away they think they get away with it? You don't think they're going to research and investigate the next year just to make sure he was telling the truth about putting the dead ball in the entire time? And the, in the story that Insider wrote, they had details in there that Major League Baseball told Major League Baseball players not to give baseballs to the reporters from this website that were doing this investigation. 
Like they were aware that this could happen again. And they were right. telling their players, Hey, do not give baseballs. The problem with that is multiple players complained to the media this year about that the, the baseballs. baseballs were different. Yes, exactly. This story actually started with an anecdote of Justin Verlander pitching in a game in Yankee stadium and yelling to an umpire. When are you guys going to fix the bleeping baseballs? Like that's what this started with pitchers across the league were complaining about this. And so for them to be like, all right, so pitchers are complaining. We know last year this website investigated all of yes. our baseballs. We're just going to tell players not to give them the baseballs this year, and that'll be fine. They're stupid to think they'd get away with it. Just give every team live balls, every player corked bats, and just let them, let them, let them go. I think corked bats actually hurts you. I think it actually is harder to hit home runs with corked bats. I thought that's what... Because that was the downfall to Sammy Sosa was when his bat right, broke. People have done like tests exactly. on it. It doesn't go as far. You'd oh. rather have the weight in the bat than right, the hollowed we'll out. Give part. everyone steroids. Well, you'd rather have live balls. You'd rather have the live balls. Yeah, yeah, which is way better. Yeah. So, Major League Baseball effectively was sending juice baseballs to Aaron Judge so he would break the Roger AL Maris's home run record. record, and we would they'd get to break into college football games and be like, look at Aaron Judge. That's what they were doing here, which is unbelievable. Also, fun side note, the Astros threw a no-hitter in Yankee Stadium and in the World Series. With live balls? With juiced baseballs. All right. Boy, you really did have good pitching, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're throwing throwing no-hitters with live balls, man, you got to say the pitching staff's pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, So that's a a fun part in Major League Baseball, that they were – I wouldn't, say, again? I wouldn't say like rigging games because as far as we know, the other team got to hit the juice baseballs too. Right. Like they weren't running into the umpire. Oh, Aaron judges up, use these baseballs, but they were rigging, not outcomes of games, but rigging. They're manufacturing a narrative that they wanted right. to, they wanted to occur. And so the story, the insider.com that did the story, they put in there, like, we don't have a random sample. They're like, we were reliant on people giving us baseballs. So right. it's not like they have a baseball from every team in every game or whatever, but a lot of people have jumped to the conclusion or the question, were they doing this for Pujols too? Ah, because they, there were two significant home run chases this year. Yeah. Pujols getting the 700, uh, and Aaron Judge passing Roger Maris. So if they were doing it for Judge, why the hell wouldn't they do it for Pujols? Did they do it? I know you said it was in Yankees games, but was it both teams or just the Yankees got these? As, as far as we no, know, both both teams. Oh, okay. Like I, I guess but still because I, I doubt there's somebody running to the umpire. Well, because yeah, I know isn't between every inning doesn't the team take the depends on how many balls are still in his pocket. If yeah. he's got two full pockets, they don't bring him out until he until needs he them. tells them. Yeah, to. right. So. Maybe between innings, but probably Gonna have not. to go back and look the, at the tape. You would have to be basically telling the umpires, here, use these balls. And I don't think that I'm would I'm sure fly. the league did it. I don't think the umpires would let that fly if that happened. For as much crap, the, umpi- the umpires are almost getting replaced by robots. They would have been like, oh, you're going to replace us with robots? But if it's league sanctioned, they'd be like, eh, all right, <sighs> check clear. I don't know if they'd accept that. I don't know if they'd accept that. I would like to think the umpires, the ones that are supposed to bring the truth and justice of the game, would say, we're not doing that, right. and we're telling They're just taking the it. balls that they're given. Right. So there's Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge, and Juice Baseballs. Coming up next, J.R. Starkis joins the show. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. 
Director of Business Development, Southern Glazed Wine Spirits of Nevada, Extreme Mixologist on a Thursday. Follow him on Twitter at JR Starkus. He's in here talking Yankees and Red Sox baseball, juice baseballs. Uh, what are the odds the kid has ever hit a juice baseball? Oh, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, you sure? As a matter of fact, like, <laughs> it's got probably the opposite because sometimes you get these, <laughs> like, you know, the, these tournaments that they're in, you know, and, and any father or, you know, baseball mom or baseball dad can, can listening now will, will agree with me that these tournaments, sometimes you, you pay so much money to get into them. And, and then like the game, it's the bottom of the first inning and the umpire's like, need baseballs. You're like, where did all of the baseballs go? I paid a lot of money. Why are we out of baseballs? And they just, they keep recycling these baseballs and you touch them and they're like squishy and not squishy, like, like bouncy, squishy, like dead. Yeah. And so like, they just keep using the baseballs throughout the, the same one. I mean, oh, there's, throughout the weekend. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you get new baseballs from the like the the monitor, the league guy who's watching, like they're not the, most often not like cherries coming out. They're they're beat up baseballs that have been played all weekend that just get returned through from the umpires after a game or whatever. What a disaster! Those those tournaments cost a fortune. Yes, I know. It's always been my biggest gripe. I'm like, how do these umpires not have at least a, like a dozen baseballs? They have literally. They start a game with four baseballs, and then it just takes one guy to hit three out of play and a dugout not paying attention and. Then you're like on your last baseball. Oh yeah, when I, when I'm out covering events, they'll be hitting foul balls in the parking lot and everything, yeah. and I just hear coaches, "JV, go get it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. go get it, yeah." That, it's, or, or you know, you hope for uh, a game, you know, at any level that like brothers or sisters are young enough and they're just there with mom and dad to watch brother play, but they're not actually watching their brother play; they're playing. But anytime they hear the bounce of a baseball, those kids go. Phew! And fly to it because it's still like the thing. Get the baseball, return, return the foul ball. So, uh, Red Sox fan, how do you feel about the Yankees getting juice baseballs? I mean, doesn't surprise me. I say, <laughs> doesn't surprise me one bit. I mean, like you know, when you when you were, I walked in when you were talking about it this morning, and um, you know, I, I just kind of like yeah, figures. You know, it, it, it won't it won't surprise me one bit if that's what MLB is doing, really. Um, but I was saying during the break, like. Meanwhile, they're inspecting every pitcher for anything that could be slightly sticky on their hand or their hat or their the belt. The bill of their hat. Whatever. They got to look you at know. the hat. It's so belt. it's like you can't you can't contribute to it and then, you know, what is this some sort of like payback for all the years the pitcher's been cheating now we're just going to give the batters an advantage. But only some of them. Only But some only some of them. them. Only yeah. yeah, only the ones that just signed a huge. What if you're now, you know, the what what if did the Yankees know or no? Oh, I'm sure We're, they did. We don't really? know. We, we don't, don't know. Because if the Yankees didn't know, and then Aaron Judge signs and this comes out, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> how many extra millions of dollars did we just pay you <laughs> for fake home runs? I think it was Joey Votto who said last year or the year before that Major League Baseball messes with the baseballs depending on the upcoming free agent class. Now, it's a little far-fetched because there's always pitchers and hitters in free agent classes, yeah. but he was trying to say when there's a big pitcher free agent class – the balls are dead when there's a big hitter free agent class or excuse me, the other way around, I, the other way around the, when it's a big pitcher free agent class, it's a live ball. So the pitchers suck and they don't have to pay them as much when it's a big hitter free agent class. It's a dead ball and they don't have to they pay, pay them as much for the lack right. of home runs. I, I mean, I don't exp- the players are handling those baseballs all the time. So I could see how they could hold it and be like, yeah, this different, this ain't the right one. Like I could see how that could happen. So, I mean, I mean, Verlander it, it, had the. I mean, can you imagine how many baseballs Verlander's held in his life? He knows exactly what it is the minute he touches it. Yeah, for sure. Like the laces are higher, the laces are yeah. smaller, or whatever. Yeah. So fun baseball. Are the are the Red Sox going to actually spend some money and sign some? I mean, they signed the Japanese guy 
a $90 million deal. But well, you they... also got Kenley Jansen. Uh-oh. Kenley Jansen. My son, te- my son, my son texted me that the other day, and I was like, he said, we got Jansen. And I was like, <laughs> Kenley? And he's he's like, good. And Why he's am like, I yeah. always in rooms with people that hate Kenley? <laughs> he's great. He's one of, like, the five best relievers of the last decade. Okay. <laughs> What do you okay. want? Like, You're out here wanting position players pitching. Yeah, now I mean, you have a real pitcher that can go on the mound. A real pitcher. I mean, like nine seconds to the plate. Like, it's unbelievable. That's got to change next year. Yeah, you got the clock now. You're you right. No, I don't mean, like, in between pitches. I mean, delivery. Oh, the, the, the delivery? Oh, you're oh, fine. Come on. Haven't you seen Luis Garcia pitch for the Astros? He does the salsa dance <laughs> yeah, for no, 30 seconds. True. But he also pitches. mixes it up. Well, he He'll tries mix to it up fast. He got called for a balk once. But Kenley Jansen does not mix it up. Yeah. Ah, he's a reliever. Just need the heat. Got the splitter. He's got the splitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not going to be good. Like they have really? extreme confidence in their farm system, which I'm glad. Like you know, they're they're doing kind of the A's moneyballish thing. It feels like in my head anyway. I have no obviously idea, but that's what it feels like to me. Is like, all right, we're just gonna you know we're gonna trade away our best couple players every year and and hang on to a couple guys, see how we can do it, and then bring up some of the farm system. I hope it works, man, because I'm you know like. I don't expect them to win every year. Like, I'm not so, like, freaked out that, like, oh, they didn't win the World Series, failed season. I just want them to compete, you know? And when they can't, they finishing it around 500, that's awful. That's awful. So that's frustrating to watch. Like, they should compete for, like, get to the playoffs and compete. I don't care if you don't win it. Like, get to the playoffs and compete. Like, not making the playoffs is awful, for, especially for a team with that kind of um, history and perceivable cash flow. Are you making us something with juiced balls? <laughs> or juice? <laughs> Some kind of juice? Uh, no, no. Uh, I'm going to continue my Christmas flair for you guys, All my right. holiday flair. So, All right. uh, you know, so so last week I, I used gin in a cocktail because of the Christmas tree kind of effect. And one of the things that we spoke of during the holiday, you asked me yes last week, you said, what's your favorite time to make drinks? And I said, well, probably this time of year because people are less concerned with, like, calories, right? They don't. Right. It's, exactly. it's more of, like, what tastes good and what put tastes me in the Christmas Eggnog. Yes. So this drink, unfortunately, I'm not able to make the drink in studio anymore because of uh, some rules and regulations. <laughs> yes, exactly. But if I were, at we this those? drink, you would, would drink. I would drink because yes, it's 100%. sweet. Yes. So it's sweeter, right? Okay. But. So this drink is actually using it's using four ingredients. Um, the first ingredient is uh, De Serrano Velvet, which is kind of like a cream liqueur. Think Bailey's, but with the base of De Serrano. So if you like De Serrano, you'll love De Serrano Velvet, right? That's the ingredient number one. Ingredient number two is a rum that I've used before, but it's called Denizen. Denizen is a hundred proof vatted dark rum. Vatted is just a term referencing that they're using rums from different places and kind of putting them together. Um, it is a dark rum full of flavor. There are rums from Martinique in there, which generally lend themselves to more of like a sugarcane green flavor. So there's a lot of flavor in this particular rum. It is not a rum that you would say make a mojito with per se, because it would taste, it doesn't have that very clean flavor that you would typically get in a white Puerto Rican style rum, right? That's Ingredient number two. Ingredient number three I used last week as well, which is the chartreuse, the yellow chartreuse. And then ingredient number four I've used a bunch, which is liquid alchemist. This one is the orgeat syrup, which is an almond syrup. So if you have an almond allergy, this, is, this one's not for you. <laughs> but you can – There's there, the when you, when you hear me talk through the ingredients, there's only a quarter ounce. So – you know, you can switch it to a coconut syrup, or you can switch it to just a simple syrup if you if you want. Um, you're the really the reason for this is adding just a little bit of, the, of that additional sweetness to kind of balance things out. Ingredients: four of them, 
recipe is real simple. So in a mixing tin, you're going to add an ounce and a half of the DeSerrano Velvet. You're going to add one ounce of the Denizen 100 proof vatted dark rum. You're going to add half of an ounce of the yellow chartreuse, which gives a bunch of flavor to the drink. And then one quarter of an ounce of the the liquid liquid alchemist orgeat or simple syrup or coconut, whatever. Shake all of the ingredients together. Strain it into like a cocktail coupe. You can put it over ice if you want. I just think this Mm -hmm. drink serves better in a cocktail glass or coupe, something like that, that holds, you know, like you would have a martini in. Garnish it. I used nutmeg, but you yes. can use cinnamon, nutmeg. or you could use both. Yeah, nutmeg's big time. Yeah. Oh boy. Now it's nutmeg. On board. Yeah, it's on board. Because it, look, it looks like there's no whipped cream on this drink. That no. would really set him over. But <laughs> but it looks like eggnog. Yeah. And with my eggnog, I always do the nutmeg. 100. percent And yes. actually, in my opinion, when I tasted it, I was like, kind of tastes like eggnog, and I love eggnog. So you would love this drink. Okay. Uh, right. You. But in the video that I'll post later today. I use just you know regular pre-grated nutmeg because I figured that's what a lot of people would just go to the store and buy. Yes. However, it is better if you actually buy whole nutmeg and grate it. Oh no, I can't do that. You sh- you I've got it in the bottle. I've got it in the bottle. And I shake it. Ed's drinking this out of his plastic Dallas Cowboy. <laughs> that's true. That's home. true. That's true. <laughs> You'll drink one tonight during the game when your phone, when your uh, computer, <laughs> your TV's on pause or, or thinking. That will be game. good, Jr. Don't don't jinx me now. Don't jinx me. That's not going to be good. I got to do some work tonight. No. I gotta get, get every play. I tabulate every play. Is it? Do you like watching the games from home? Or do you, um, would you I rather so be rarely there? do it? I just feel like if I were in your position, you're riding on the game. I mean, maybe you you have to explain it to me because I always feel like like when I turn around and wave to you at the Knights games, right? I know you can see the entire ice bit of ice, right. but I feel like you're so far away, right? Because well, you're, you're far away you're, at the Knights, and, 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 and you're are, far away at the Raiders, right? So. Is it not better to watch on TV where you're like at least can hear what the announcers are saying and 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 kind of see the game up close and like actually well or I mean I know they have TVs. A in the lot booth, of people but. do during the Raider games are listening to the play by play. They're listening to the local broadcast. Um, I prefer just some binoculars on every play. I it do is. binoculars on every play. No kidding, huh? And then I write down what the play was. But a lot of people, um, I know a lot of beat writers. Whenever if you look over, they've got the earphones on because they're listening to the local broadcast. For what they're saying, in case you know there's a play where, like, what happened, they're going to tell you. So every play you write the play down? I chart every play. That's brutal, man. They keep track of that online so he doesn't have to do that. (laughs) It is, I would put it this way, it is much easier to be, like, completely focused on the game when you're there in person, even if you're farther away. Much more convenient to watch it at home, though. Yeah. Like, uh, especially somebody who does a morning show game ends at you know, 10 it is o'clock. more convenient. Yes. But yes. it's a lot. I think it, I find it a lot easier to focus on actually what's happening during the sporting event. Cause you're kind of like in the, exactly in the environment. Right. When I'm at home, I've got three TVs going and my dogs are somewhere yelling at me. So no, I got you it. Know, but that would be real quick. I'm not sure if you mentioned it this morning. Um, did you, did the Knights release another, did they wear like another Jersey or something last night? That warm up. They didn't wear it during the actual game. It was uh, okay. uh, was it Hispanic Heritage? Uh, yeah, but they wore an orange one during. But the if I'm not mistaken, maybe you mentioned it, but they've now debuted two different jerseys and both times gotten smoked out of their own arena, right? Uh, Did they lose the one with the retros? They got smoked in that one. Yeah, yeah. but they've they've done other warm ups too this year. Okay. So that's not the only time they've done a warm-up only jersey. But they, did, they win like did, they, did they win those games? Well, it was at home, so who knows? They yeah. they're only five hundred at we home. We have to look so. at. I mean. 
So stop, stop wearing stop, the yeah, stop doing that. Yeah, stop, stop these wearing other, yeah, the warm-up. I think they make a lot of money. Make the other team wear your like warm up. <laughs> make that happen. Maybe I that could have seen that. Hey Gerard. <laughs> Uh, welcome back. Your team must wear these orange warm-up jerseys for the game tonight. How you doing? On no, that? no, you okay no, with just, that? Or, or tell them like, "Hey, Gerard, your team's coming to town. You're doing some sort of special warm-up tonight, or retro <laughs> jersey yeah, in retro our house, jerseys. and we'll just smoke you out." He's of there. about to get fired. I don't think he's looking around saying, "What warm-up jerseys can I wear to help the Golden Knights out?" Uh, it's good to see him back in the, in the T-Mobile yesterday. Barely. They if they win five-one yesterday, Gerard Gallant's getting fired instead. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think the pre-game kind of pep talk from that guy was yesterday? Like, hey, if there's one game we win all season, it has to be He said afterwards it was good to beat Vegas. I think it might have been the first time since he was with the Rangers that he beat them. I think so. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. But I'd have to look that up. Yeah, That was probably all he said, though, because he doesn't talk to his players in the locker room very much. Yeah. He just says, let's go, and walks out. <laughs> let's go. It's, not, it's time for warm-ups. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's, that's the it. reason they're about to be on his fourth job coming up real soon. Yeah. Well, he'll get another job. He's, oh, yeah. a, he's an NHL coach. Yeah. Get another job. 30 of them or they'll be really yeah. good in year one, and then he'll get fired in year yeah. two, and that's get Gerard Gallant. All right. He's J.R. Starkus, Southern Glazers, Wine and Spirits, our extreme mixologist. Thank you, J.R. You got it, guys. Thank we you, got guys. tickets to get away to go see the Golden Knights take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, they're wearing the reverse retros. As far as his status for tomorrow, we're working through that kind of stuff. Um, we just finished up. I mean, he literally just got here last night. Really, we felt like it, it upgraded our quarterback room. Gives us a chance to uh, to have him in the building, and, and we'll see how it goes, and we'll take it a day at a time. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. We are trying to give you a shot at $15,000 ESPN Las Vegas and Aaron Taylor, the real estate guy, trying to give you rent mortgage for a year or whatever you want to do with it. Go to ESPN Las Vegas, or excuse me, go to LVSportsNetwork.com. And you can enter to win there. You must be 18 years or older. And complete rules are available at lvsportsnetwork.com. Also uh, should mention that drink that JR made for us will be on JR Makes yes. Drinks on Instagram. Uh, so if you want to see JR make uh, his sweet drink that even Ed Graney would <laughs> yes, like. absolutely. Uh, JR Makes Drinks on Instagram. All right. Um, you're very concerned. Uh, we'll have a whole two weeks to torture you about this, but you're very concerned about the airport being busy on Christmas Day. Yes. Um, I'm telling you, you know, we're supposed to fly out of there on Christmas Day home from the Steelers game, and the flight is about 1045. I'd prefer it be about 6 a.m. because you know you'd, the plane would be there and you'd be the first one out, and now it could be coming from somewhere else and it could be a disaster. <sighs> I think you're going to have more problems on your flight to Pittsburgh. Trying to get in there? Yeah, than you will coming back. Because not many people have traveled the morning of Christmas. But if you're flying out that Thursday or Friday, that that airport's going to be bad. I haven't seen, uh, I'm looking at it right now, I haven't seen much snow in Pittsburgh. In fact, it's just been 60% rain. And would this be a week from Friday I'm leaving? Two weeks, right? Two weeks. Oh, because they play the Patriots. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm bummed about that because a week from Friday it's like 32 degrees low, but like just cloudy, nothing, no rain or no snow. Yeah, no, you so got, I've got you got two. Weeks I got two away. weeks away. That's not. Uh, so wait, what day are you leaving? The 23rd? No, um, the 22nd because 22nd. they play the 23rd because they play the 23rd. Oh, that's right. No, that's no, right. no, I'm no, sorry. You're right. No, you're right. No, you're right. I leave the 23rd. I leave it day oh. before the game. Day before the game. Is that the worst day to travel around Christmas? Danny, I've, thanks, Danny. I've done it before. I would say yes. 
So you're telling me to get there early to do the uh, airport? I would say, like, oh, yeah, you're going to, oh. no joke, you're probably going to have to get to the airport, like, three hours early. Thanks, Especially Dan. this year, because 23rd's a Friday. Christmas and Christmas Eve and Christmas are Saturday, Sunday. This is a disaster. So, like, people are Thanks probably... for bringing this up, by the way. It's a nice final segment. I didn't think of any of this. <laughs> hey, I, haven't, I haven't been thinking you. of any of this, yes, by the way. We're you have, getting you, you ready. two weeks to mentally prepare. Wait, wait, wait. What? I didn't even think of the twenty. I didn't even think of the twenty third on going out. What time is your flight on the twenty third? Like one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. Get there. Get there like ten a.m. Thanks, Danny. Yeah. Uh, we already got. We already got a fill in for you on Friday. So well, I hope so. Now, now I hope you so. You can, did because I might be there at eight a.m. Yeah. Oh, before eight. Come on. You got just get up your normal time. You get up and leave for to come show, to the show and the just drive to the airport instead. <laughs>